Pick up your paintbrush. It's time for Hobby Support Group. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, Ed. Hello, listeners. We're back with a new episode. It's uh, we're recording in the evening. It's Hobby Support Group after dark. Yes. Which means although I have got. Mm. Mango Pepsi with a shot of whiskey in it. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. I won't tell you which whiskey because it's far too good to be sloshed into this mango Pepsi. No, no whiskey. Maybe a, a two-year-old whiskey or something awful deserves to be sloshed in mango Pepsi. But um, how about you, boys? What are you drinking? Well, mango Pepsi just sounds like a crime. Um, I will admit, I, I'm on cherry and berry squash. Mm-hmm. I've got a pint of sup, uh, which is a, a pint of beer. Um, what's up? From, uh, what's up? It, it, it's. Um, th- I, I believe that joke was last made when you came around my house and I've served you one. Um, yeah, the, 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 the a classic right. where I come from. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's just it's just a regular supermarket beer, but it's quite nice. Oh, I love a lovely beer. Um, yeah, good. So, so. Um, I guess I've kind of organised this with you, with you two this evening to get together for this, this episode. And part of that was um, I'd kind of just generally be feeling a bit of a, a fraud, should we say, um, for the hobby support group in that I have just not been playing as many games or getting as much stuff painted as I would like to have, have got done. So I apologise to the listeners at home that I've not been doing more stuff. Um, but looking back, I'm trying to think why why is it that I I don't really want to keep you know, buying and painting all this stuff? And I thought it's because I've got I've got so much stuff already that I'm not using. And I think that really dates back to three years ago, the dark times. I have always described it to Tom and Ed as the longest Sunday afternoon of my life. Lockdown. Some of you may remember lockdown. Um I just really was thinking what the long-term effects of of that have been for me as a gamer, and looking back at well, my collection of miniatures, you know, what were the effects for me with lockdown for the as a hobby and for the industry as well? And it was partly inspired. I was watching the Plastic Crack podcast, and they had Lardy Rich on there, and he was talking about um, infamy, infamy, which they which they brought out and he said they'd have to relaunch again because it was kind of came out and it disappeared because it's sort of like a, a bit of a black hole for a lot of people that time period. Um, so I guess that's how I'm kicking the conversation off guys. <laughs> so apologies, but um, you know, um, I really want to start using some of those models I've painted during lockdown. But um, did you get much, did you get much hobbying done at that time? Um, I did. I got a huge amount of hobbying done, despite um, really, I was lucky slash unlucky to be seriously ill during the lockdowns as well. So uh, I was like in and out of hospital with pericarditis and then sepsis. So like, remember, my, yeah. mine was, you know, lockdown plus extra joy. Um, so I got like a huge amount of hobbying done and it has definitely impacted my gaming, my hobbying. And how I am as a hobbyist now is very different to how I was 
before the lockdowns because it made me realize like both positives and negatives mm-hmm. about the hobby i think that the biggest one really was for me was the realization that i like building and painting models and i'm always going to be building and painting models and there is not a point where i'm going to go at some point where i go i've got an army for everything i want to play i'm done mm-hmm. i realized that isn't something I'm ever going to achieve because I'm always going to want to build and paint models because I like building and painting models. And when I made that realization, it sort of was like a eureka moment in a way where I was right. I can't just keep building and painting armies because I have to live in my house and I only have a finite amount of money. So I need to change what I'm doing. And rather than doing 10, 12 armies a year, think about doing something differently and maybe not hobby put as much pressure on myself to do as many projects but maybe do them either like a little bit better or do different projects that are more slightly more time intensive but not necessarily figure intensive um and it's something that i've 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 tried to put in place since i've like succeeded most of the time failed in a couple of projects and they're a bit bigger than i want um so that's how I've, I've definitely carried forward. But I do also very much subscribe to the idea that I did a lot of hobbying in lockdown for projects, which I finished them, put them in a box. And I genuinely don't think I've opened those boxes since I put the lids on when they were finished. And they are like armies for Billion Sons, two armies for Infamy, Infamy, a large Oathmark army, and two bolt action armies. So that's like, you know, five six armies which are in boxes which i've not taken the lids off since they were finished and i don't really have any burning inclination to play with them Mm. and i'm more and more going towards the idea of just selling them moving them on rather than try to rehabilitate them because i've got other things that i want to play more specifically the oathmark army because i just don't really have any connection to it and like billion sun seems to have disappeared i don't need the spaceships um i don't know how about you ed i don't have a backlog of armies that i painted during the lockdown and never played with i had a pretty good hit rate with the projects that i undertook um uh i painted fewer but i focused on my big english civil war army that we obviously had the campaign that we've um, spoken about before um, I had a big uh, Space Orc army, had a backlog of Space Orcs that I've collected over the years, which I painted up. And I've had quite a few games of that, second edition Warhammer. Uh, and um, even with the Russians, Crimean War era Russians, I've had one or two games of that and have more plans to do it. I think the lockdown more generally had um, a big impact on the way that I hobby. Um, I think some of the changes, because the last sort of five years or also, I've I think I've changed quite a lot in the way that I approach the hobby. Been a bit more productive, and I'm also playing more games, which is which is great because that's the kind of the point. Um, and uh, but a lot of those changes were put in place before the lockdown, but mm-hmm. kind of bedded in over that period. I think on reflection, the thing that changed the most was that I was more um, conscious in terms of making sure that I was in contact with people because I was living alone with my, well, doing a flat share at the time. So um, there was my flatmate 
and then that was it if i wanted to talk to people so i <laughs> was being trying to be more online we we i organized kind of um uh, uh hobby sessions uh hobby hangouts on, yeah on yeah absolutely the, the hobby hangout i was there absolutely yeah 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 and i, I think we like I, we, you know uh both tom and andy were, were mates before the lockdown but i think we certainly have hung out more because of the hobby hangouts yeah and sorry think, ed no sorry <laughs> you know so, 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 so. um <laughs> But yeah, I think I think we've um, uh, I weirdly became more sociable in the hobby context, mm -hmm. so that it wouldn't just be okay. I'm going to roll up to the club and on a Wednesday and play some games, and then occasionally make dumb comments on Facebook. Whereas you kind of, I think I've been a bit more um, thoughtful about maintaining and building friendships through the hobby, yeah. um, which is not a chore. It's a great thing, and it, you know I think that's you know when, when you're staring at your four walls not able to leave the house i think you kind of <laughs> you kind of have to think about how you're going to be sociable and uh that has been like the the long-term benefit positive of a not very positive situation yeah i mean i would say of all the projects i completed in lockdown they did their job because they kept me sane yeah if all Absolutely. they did was keep me sane and get and and get me something to do while i couldn't do anything else they did that job and that's fine. So one thing that did come out of lockdown was obviously my um, the oval list. Mm. Um, I did more projects in lockdown than just the, the 12 that were on my oval list. Um, but I did have a look back at what I got completed. Do you want a list on the list of what I completed? Give us a Ooh. list. Here we go. <laughs> I've been asking, does the audience want me to read a list? And I think <laughs> I know by now that our listeners, they're here. They're here. They stay, they're here for us, but they stay for the lists, right? Um, uh, best Radio 4 voice for the list. Six millimeter Japanese samurai. Man who, men who would be king. Man who would be king. Uh, that's my Moroccans and French Foreign Legion. Burrows and badges. World War II Germans. World War II allies. Abyssal dwarves. Six millimeter Prussians, six millimeter Carthaginians, <laughs> a necromantic blood bowl team, Ducks Britanniarum, uh, 15 mil, a space goats and Grimm, which are the space dwarves. Now, I completed all of them except for the Carthaginians, as we know. Um, but of those 12 projects, of the 11 projects I completed, I want you both to have a guess at how many of those I've gamed with. I'm going for three. I think it might be And it two. could be one. I, I'm going to go for two. I'm, I'm going to go right down the middle there. Do you know, do you know which ones I, I gamed with? What are the uh, guesses? I, I, I know me and you have played the Men Who Would Be Kings, yeah. Moroccans me and the French Foreign Legion. Yeah. And I'm not sure if we've played with the World War II Germans and Allies. Well, they were my DAC. I had I put well, I petted Jaeger and you and, and um, uh, D Day like uh, Germans and um, and some Jaeger and I've only played with the DAC, but I ticked yes. So that's a yes for World War II Germans, Menubi Kings. I have played with my Necromatic Blood Bowl, and I played you Tom with my Space Goats. Oh yes, when we played one page rules. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It was, it was um, Stargrave. Star, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
So I actually used four. I'm holding up fingers for the listeners at home. I played with four. So that's four of, of those 12 projects. 11. So I haven't done a Carthaginian. So I've only, that's not even half of them have been used. And that was three years ago. Um, the Grim, the, the Space Dwarfs, I gave those away to um, Plastic Crack Podcast for their um, raffle. And whoever won them, you're very welcome to them. Um, but I just realized I wasn't, I wasn't going to get to use them. And I guess this is this is the thing. One, the overall list was developed, which was great. But two, um, at the moment, I'm looking at all these armies and all these forces I've used, and I'm thinking, do I want to paint something when I've got these sitting here to be used? And you've, you're saying to me, Tom, that you actually you just love to build and paint. I do. I just if like I, I enjoy building and painting to the point that I've now got into the habit of. I build and paint models to give to people as gifts who will appreciate like a model kit sat on the wall. And because I enjoy do I enjoy modeling and I enjoy painting um, to a okay standard. And I, I, I am happy and comfortable with the idea of doing army projects, not intending to fully paint, like not with necessarily with a game at the moment, in mind for them i think i call it this like the 20 mil world war one africa stuff it's like i'm not really but i like the idea of playing a game with it but i'm not sort of desperate to play a game with it and yet it is going to be a project i'm going to be dipping in and out of for years to do because i enjoy painting and hobbying and like i enjoy i spend a lot more time painting and hobbying that i do gaming yeah because i think i think this I is what we all do don't we oh, yeah. i think this is probably going to be like maybe jumping in a little bit more to like the realizations but like the social aspect and that sort of thing as well i know for me like one of the things that really came out of like obviously like me and you we started the podcast and we started talking a lot more during the lockdowns and everything that Mm -hmm. we, we did beforehand but i don't necessarily feel the pressure like when i see a friend now i don't feel like i need to play a game every single wednesday yeah when I see a friend, I can't get, you know, I can just sometimes, you know, it's why I think probably we play so much Keyforge. Yeah. Because it's an easy game to play that we can play in a pub over yeah. a pint of orange juice and just like, you know, we chat away with what we're doing for the week. And like Ed and I play a small amount of board games. Um, and again, it's just a little bit easier to be social without as much faff really as setting up a game and yet when we do play games the the more we put more effort into them to making them as a, a more special yeah yeah so I that's true and I, I, I think it's it's something that I, it's, a, it's a process that i am still undergoing because you know this year like the number of games i've played this year is very small relatively mm. maybe you know maybe like a dozen at the most or something but most of them are good games yeah. they're not just like well, what did you play last week? I can't really remember. Like every game I've played has sort of like been noteworthy. Like war game, it has been like an, an occasion and noteworthy to sort of make the, you know, it's been worth the effort to make it special, not mm-hmm. just a, a random pickup game. Um, and that, that's, I think, again, what I'm wanting more from my games is like I'm going to yeah. take make the effort to make more terrain like specific terrain for armies because i'm going to put extra effort in so right this one day of gaming 
might have like you know a month's worth of prep work going into it just so i get a little bit more out of it and that's more a lot more what i'm willing to do now because i realize i'm going to be always doing hobbying so making a river or a, some roads or something for a game just kind of makes sense it's not like i've got a huge list of other stuff that i yeah. need to paint um and again it, it kind of also came back from that because i know i'm pretty sure we've all and like most of our listeners have probably made that joke of like oh i've got so much stuff in my house i could take like a year off work and I still won't get half of it painted well you know a lot of us basically did have six months or you know i had nearly 18 months off with being so ill um yeah and didn't get a lot didn't get like my backlog painted um but also really to actually you know when you are locked in your house 24 or 23 hours a day you don't really want to just paint for 23 hours a day even if you like mm-hmm. the idea of it it has you know it's, it's a hobby it fits in and around your life it's not actually your life and yeah. I, I, again with me it's something that i've been more and more mindful of that it's a hobby that i can pick up and take down and i don't feel pressured that like oh i haven't put any paint on a miniature since tuesday and it's now sunday afternoon i'd better paint something otherwise someone's going to come and like you know take me hobby cravat off me and go you're not a hobbyist anymore you're not you've not played a game for a fortnight what's sort of going on here i don't care i i'm i still think about games a lot i still read about games i still do lots of research for projects but also if i just i'm at the cinema for a couple of nights instead or like i'm at a movie festival for the weekend rather than painting or like you and our friend James are playing a big game of English Civil War this weekend that I can't take part in because I'm off to the Arrow Horror all night I said yeah um, so it's a bit of a change for us isn't it Ed now we're actually having to sort of work out actually plan a bit more of the battle like we have the order of battle for Master yeah. Moore but I don't happen to have 66 bases of, uh, of firelocks lying around <laughs> It's a yeah. bit larger than we normally do, so we actually have to use a bit of brain work and do a bit of modern. We will; it will work. We'll get it sorted. Oh, absolutely! We might just yeah. have to do some jiggery pokery. Certainly, um, and I think uh, we're certainly further along in terms of what we've got that we're able to attempt to do such a big game than we would have been a couple of years ago. Yeah, you know. I uh, mean, the one thing I don't regret about lockdown is painting my 28 mil english civil war army yes absolutely that well no I, I think like probably english, never got done otherwise i think like the english civil war was a success story for us all wasn't it yeah like, yeah I, I know i'd got i think i'd got mine finished by the end of april because i'd already got quite a lot of mine done already but i, I think it was like the success and i think it's also it's the success that we've managed to once we all got back together again, it was the one thing we all managed to play. Yeah, with we we played with them all as well, and it seems to have been the the, the period that we stuck with beforehand. Because before then, like you and me, Andy, we'd mostly played World War Two, hadn't we? Yeah, yeah, bolt um, action. And I don't think, and we've done a couple of other World War Two games as well. But I think since the lockdowns, I think we've played one game of bolt action, and that's it. Well, we went to a bottle tournament and we haven't played it since. This is a lot of tournament. Uh, <laughs> Literally, we went to a tournament for the day and we haven't touched the game for two years since. Uh, right, put that away. Yeah. I think there's um, a weird sure, thing but... coming out of the lockdown, organising those big English Civil War games. It was actually easier 
to get people because no one had any other plans. Yeah. It wasn't like there were weddings going on. So as soon as, you know, the, the, the restrictions were being uh, lifted gradually. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, it, was, it was easier to organize stuff. It was it was weird. I said to you guys earlier that it's weird. Like, it, it never really seemed to end. We were in lockdown, and then gradually, bit by bit, it kind of everything loosened up. And I remember a couple of Christmases ago being worried about flying out of the country and testing. They still tested going to hospital. They still tested going to hospitals. But you know, um, you used to see um, hand sanitizer everywhere, and bit by bit, it gets harder to find hand sanitizer anywhere. Yeah. It's not free everywhere anymore, and it's sort of it's still. I think you were saying, Tom. It's, it's it, people, every so often you'll sort of have people say, "Oh, tested positive, can't come to this thing." You know, it's still around, but it's yeah. And I think it's quite different for a lot of people. Um, the tail end of it, because I think at the start there was, I think more people's experience of it was similar because we didn't know what was going on. Yeah, got a universe sort of blanket blanket kind of um, lockdown, and of course, uh, the winding down of it was faster or slower depending on your personal circumstance. I mean, there were of course loads of people working in um, emergency services or on building sites. That My wife's a teacher. Lockdown. lockdown, what lockdown? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but, but, but I think I think for certainly our well, uh, the, the grad. I, I share your experience, Andy, of the kind of gradual sort of always we can do this now kind of thing so so yeah i think it it, it, yeah. it varies a lot obviously but yeah yeah my wife being in the clinically vulnerable group meant it sort of didn't really end for years yeah, yeah. yeah. it was very long during that thing but i think like i think uh, would you to agree that it has had like a a transformative effect though on the whole hobby in general because i think it's in a way like broke that hobby contract of like so many of us like i think both are like our club and you know from talking to other people at other clubs had the idea of like oh everybody went to the club on like a certain day and you all just went down and that's what you did because you'd been doing it for donkeys of years yeah now all of a sudden it's like if i don't have a game i'm not going down or it's like yeah. oh something else is coming up so all of a sudden rather than going down maybe three or you know three nights out of four you might be down like two out of four unless you put in a, a real strong effort to actually like build that back up and i think definitely i think from where i sit and seeing like our club it like our club is now almost back to like as busy as it was mm -hmm. before lockdown yeah and yet it's very it's different in that it is lots of smaller little groups of people who go down rather than just one big amorphous blob and you yeah. don't have as much people just going like i would you know 2019 probably 50 percent of the time i wouldn't have a game planned out i just go down hang out do a bit of hobbying and just you know chat and see whatever was going on i haven't been down once since everything opened back up again yeah. without the plan to play a specific yeah i don't go game. i haven't got a game booked in because you go you used to, be to go and There'd be people sitting in the corner they could hang out and chat and maybe play a card game or something someone brought a game but now you go down and if you haven't got a game planned it, it's almost there's no one there else there who hasn't got something planned and yeah i, I, I know like from talking to like my D, D friends and stuff it seems to have been like i don't uh, so much from our club but i know from like my friends who live out and about and all over the place 
like Zoom playing and playing and roll D20 and stuff has just become the de facto norm. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it's just much easier if you've got somebody, you know, you've got six players that you live in five different time zones, it's possible to still get games like wherever you want in, probably slightly easier than it is to try and get, you know, seven adults who live and work in the same city together because mm-hmm. like Ed and I are in our friend Sasha's D&D game, which we've been waiting for like a couple of years for us to everyone, everyone to have been in a position for it to like restart. And it's just, it, it should, it, I think it's the hardest game of any game out there of adults being able to commit to long-term like D&D campaigns to get yeah. all the players in each day. And it, it's hard to know, to pin down with any kind of certainty what, changes are because of the lockdown and what changes are because it's three years you know and, and, and things change. that's true I, I would definitely say that the phenomena of people who weren't playing online role-playing games who are now doing it via skype or d20 or whatever is is, is a observable thing certainly in our club yeah the, the number of people turning up to do role-playing games is is minimal I'm in uh, two in-person role-playing games because we're curmudgeons and we want to be in meat space, as it were. Here, here. It's the right uh, way yeah, to exactly. do it. Quite right, too. Uh, but, and, and, and I think when um, Dumamount kicks off again, that'll be, again, in, in, in person. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think there's... Um, uh, the... You were certainly conscious of certain groups who were able to exist online and do their wargaming like the the infinity folks the people who play infinity oh yeah 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 which really i mean helped the club continue to exist um as an entity uh as well as us um grognards well they're, they're a grognard of a different sort aren't they but you know it's like it, it, it that was one of the kind of beating hearts of the club in absentia when we were all when we yeah. weren't able to come in person so but but then there's other games which just couldn't really exist we we tried um Tom and I tried to play Black Powder on um, Tabletop Simulator, as I'm sure folks will know that we've spoken about in the past. And um, and yeah, it was like, yeah, we can do this, but it's not really the same experience. So what? No, it was. Now? And like uh, Bob and I played some portable war game via yeah. Zoom, which kind of did, which actually did work fine. And it was like, you know, Bob lives in Spain. It was as easy. It was the only practical way to play games. And like. Ricky and I have also played like some Keyforge via some online thing, which worked as mm. well. And it's like if you've got no other option because you know they live in another country or they live 300 miles away, it sort of works. But like I personally can't see any reason why I would want to play an online game with either of you two. Yeah. When I could pop on the train and see you, it's like what's the point? Yeah. It's like yeah. We, we we do like. You know, we hang out and like we sometimes just chat online or like have a message. You know, we actually just like, speak to each other as friends without having to need. Well, let's play a game because I, I don't know about YouTube. I think else that's like I, I don't think I've done since before the lockdowns. It's just played like a pickup game with a stranger. I just yeah. played. I've only played games. Yeah. Pretty much like with you two, occasionally like Neil, or then like Sam, James, and Ben. It's like yeah. you know, it's it's, it's named individuals. It's almost like roll a D6, it'll be with one of these. I, I wonder if that's just getting older. I've got a, a group of friends that I like to play. And sometimes I play new people, and I'm like, I'm not sure I'm going to like playing these new people. <laughs> you know, Strangers. whereas I know if I play you two, 
I know what I'm getting into. It's not going to be a great game, but you know, I know what I'm getting into. <laughs> you're going to win. Uh, you know, I know, you know, I know what kind win. of dice you're going to roll. At least you know you're probably going to win. Um, yeah, it's like, well, you know, Tom roll twos and Ed roll ones. Unless, of course, he's rolling for the monsters. Uh, as a tangent here, yes. me and Ed played the Doom the other day. And Tom, you have never seen Ed roll dice like this. Ed, how, what, you were rolling fives all the time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was ludicrous. Every time I rolled for the monster, i.e. the thing that will get both me and Andy's little guys in trouble, I was rolling in, a, amazingly well. But whenever it was for my guys, terrible. Absolutely. The Standard worst. Ed rolls, unless it's a monster, in which case yeah. it's reversed. Now explain that, mathematicians. <laughs> confirmation bias. I mean, yeah, it probably is. Probably but still, confirmation it, bias. But I think it comes... I, I know my... my you can only hide behind your science for so long, Tom. The, the, the self-rationalisation I use for only playing games against my friends is these days is the, num- the relatively small number of games I play. Yeah. And it's like, like, oh, I've only played like, I've played Andy like three games, two games, and Ben at like one game in the last six months. It's not like I'm playing, you know, 47 games against Andy. You know, it's like, I need someone to, I need, I need a win. Give me, give me a win. Something else. Let's play a training game of ball action against somebody so I can, you know, nick the milk money. I think it's probably down to the games that we're playing. I think if we were playing Warhammer 40k, as in its current iteration, we would probably be getting more pickup games. We would be having a miserable time, but we would be getting more pickup games. That, ah, ah, and and ah. Bolt, bolt action probably um, previously, although that's less people seem to be playing that in our kind of circles. Um, yeah. That was a game where you could get pickup games going. They'll probably wait for third edition to come out before I get back into bolt action. I'll be far, far away. I yeah, see. Yeah. Well, as, as now we have to, like, you know, you stood there with like a nice six mil, you know, Republican Roman army going, anybody want to play, you know, the Punic Wars with me? And you just sort of like, they're whistling into the winds trying to find a pickup game <laughs> opponent. You might get some. Somebody might offer you like a game with some Celts, but you know the Carthaginians are somewhat absent from the field of battle. Ah, ah, ah. Who would let you down like that, Tom? That sounds awful. I, I would say that we, when you try new systems, this is this may be a bit more off topic, but trying new systems, you suddenly find you're playing with other people. Like I hadn't played with Matt Check. I mean, the joke. Hello, Matt Jack, if you're listening. The joke with Matt Jack would be, I'm not playing that whenever we suggest that we're going to play the English of War or something like that. But we started playing Sword Weirdos and Space Weirdos, and suddenly I'm playing loads of games with Matt Jack. And Monk yeah. as well, he's into that. So, yeah. you know, I think what, once you play a different game system, suddenly you get to play with different mates because they're into it. But, um, yeah, I'd, I, I, I'd, I'd certainly post-lockdown um, haven't done really any kind of that pickup game things. I'm not sure if it's a lockdown factor, though. I just think I've when I'm planning I'm planning my games more. Then that's the effect yep. is that yep. I am now planning my games more. We have our um movie and um big game days, don't we? A secret club. A secret club that we have. Where Absolutely. we play a really big game and then watch a, a movie that's linked to that game, to that period. Um and there are our big, big games like when we did Catch a Bra. Yeah. Um, so we do try and make more of an effort to plan for the game. I think that's what it is, is that actually maybe I'm planning a bit more than oh, I'll just play 40k on a Wednesday. Well, I think that's true, yeah. I, think, I, think, I, like, I don't know, like, I know for me, all my games now go in my calendar because it's not just like every Wednesday I'm down the club. Every time I have a game, and even if it's like I'm meeting you, Andy, to like 
play some Keyforge or like Ed's coming over or whatever. Mm. Like the other week, I went around to Ed's to play some Middle Earth. Like all those games are in my calendar, possibly even like months in advance. Yeah. And they're yeah. so like, right. So like, even if it is just a, a random game of, you know, half a dozen hands of Keyforge in the pub, I know I'm going to be playing it maybe like three or four weeks yeah. in advance. So they, they feel in a way more special than what they are. But I think like something that's definitely come out since we've been doing the podcast tonight, long time listeners will know is like our appetite for playing new games has basically disappeared in smoke after we went through a period of playing loads of new games and realized as gamers, I think I'm, I'm right in speaking for you on this one. I know that it's actually not very much fun to play new games all the time because it's quite nice to play games. They actually know the rules for. Yeah. And you go, I actually know what I'm doing. I can actually enjoy playing this game. You can plan, than... you can use tactics and strategy and you, you know what you're doing rather than going, I have no idea. I guess I roll some dice and see what happens. Yeah, I will look this up and I will look that up. And yeah. It's good to play like the occasional new game because I think you then find like, oh, this, I like this. I'm now going to dictate time to learn to play and maybe it can go in the rotation of the games i play well, well me and ed we've played the doomed we've played sword weirdos we've played what a cowboy yes, all very we simple have, games yeah that's the thing but we have yeah but they weren't new yeah that's true and i i, th- I think um i've got an ambition to try and <laughs> to be a dancer play. to be a dancer <laughs> that's diff- this is that's a different podcast um gino on thursdays for ed's dosey do uh, anyway, sorry. Um, the <laughs> I, I I kind of want to play one of those really complex, big Napoleonic or other historical game periods. There are loads of um, big battle rule systems out. Um, I've just ordered one. Uh, I forget the name of it now, but they all have big French names and and lots of cards and whatnot. But to get my head around any of those is going to be a lot of homework. And also I'm going to have to guide whoever I'm playing through that. And yeah, it, it's a bit daunting. And there's probably a reason why I'm not playing so many of those. And I am playing a lot of games I already play or, you know, uh, a simple PDF uh, uh, short rule well, I think, games. You know, I think looking at like The Doomed, I converted and painted six models and then we played. Yeah. And that's a really low investment pick up game you can and i love the doomed by the way it's a great game yeah really easy to learn really simple to play but that's low investment whereas you're going to go and do a large french napoleonic army in 28 mil say oh, that's God, yeah. and then learn the rules and the history you're dead is the, the amount you have to commit and dedicate to that is much greater isn't it yes yeah it's the level and, of commitment to because you're not just committing it's the opportunity loss as well yeah um for six months i'm not going to play any other game either because i'm going to be learning this yes I, I think it's it's making that judgment and, and knowing you're going to be doing that isn't it? i think now we have i think like now we've done those like english civil war armies and we've you know, some of us have done 28 mil napoleonic armies so we sort of we know like what the that that time commitment is for them and we go do i want to commit six months or eight months or whatever to this and is this thing i want to do regularly and i know like in our wider circle somebody recently was saying like are we doing a big project next year yeah and i think 
like the unanimous decision was all no. We, yeah. um, we're like might all be doing big projects, or we might all be finishing off big projects, but we don't want to do like an arbitrary 2024 project that we all do because we've all got either things in mind that we want to do ourselves already, or we'll be fin I'll still be on six mil English Civil War. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm getting there, but like, I knew going into it, that was going to be a project that was realistically going to take me a year. Yeah. And it is, and I, I think it, it's because I've not got the pressure of doing stuff that I need to paint. Oh, this game's coming out, so I've got to get an army ready to paint this game. It's like, well, if whatever new games come out, I'm going to sort of like ignore and not play because I'm working on this. And if anything does come out that I want to play, I think the only thing that's come out recently but last year or so that we've played like uh Stargrave, which we've played stuff which we've already got painted up for, some one page rules and a made an army for seen as rampant that I've not played yet. Um and that's it. I mean to to think it back to where we started now saying about how I felt like a bit of a fraud because I'm not doing Disney and what you just said there, Tom. I am I'm mostly through my backlog. I've got about 12 projects of different sizes that need to be done. So if I didn't buy anything else, and I, I think we all know I'm going to buy a few other things this year, on to next year, certainly at Salute, I could be through those. Um, but at the same time, there's so much new stuff coming out. I always say the hose, it never stops. Yeah. And I've certainly seen that in the last three years. It's kind of like, We've worked on these projects to get them completed and we've kind of got them finished. But selfish, selfishly, <laughs> manufacturers still keep putting new stuff out. You know, we didn't know the Doom was coming. We love the Doom. Yeah. You know, and that's come out. And it's like, do I make a completely clean break and say, right, all that stuff I've got, chuck it in my pile of shame, cut opportunity, or get rid of it. And do I start fresh and go, right, okay, here we go. I'm just going to concentrate on these new games that are coming out. Or do I turn my attention to what I have already and say, no, actually, I'm going to finish this stuff that I have got. Even if, you know, I mean, the dopamine hit of that new stuff is always well, a little greater, isn't it? Like, oh, new things, new shiny I, things. I think that's one of the joys of doing historical things, though. And I think it's it's like how I, I view some of my like historic armies as like evergreen armies. And mm. stuff like my English Civil War my Napoleonic French, some of that stuff. There are armies I'm always going to have, hopefully, irregardless of system. And if some new, you know, sh like if, if Victrix do some ECW cavalry at some point, then, you know, some of the great Northern horse might get lost on the way to you know, some <laughs> supply route or something, and they might get swapped in and changed around. And like, I know, like, quite, I've, I've got, some bloody miniatures models to paint up and put into that army. And like, I don't need them. They're just, I'm going to swap them out because I prefer the sculpts. And like, to be honest, they'll just go in and they'll be added. So I've just got even more of them. But in theory, there should be, I can just swap them out. And I think those kind of armies, I think I can just always be like an, an always ongoing evolution if I want to. And you know, yeah, a new kit comes out that looks really nice. Or I'm going to add this unit to it, or I'm going to swap this unit out on these models, which may be a bit janky for new shinier models. Um, 
I think he, he obviously can't do that with every period. But I think having sell, like, sell the red, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> but um, and I know it's like I, I've talked about recently. I think it's probably going to be in plan for some of like my World War Two armies. It's just to update them eventually when I I, I want to. Um, but I think it's. I think it's that mindset, isn't it, though, of, of going, right, if, we, if this is a new game, I'm going to paint six models, I'm going to paint maybe 12 models at the most for it. I'm not going to pick up a new game that I've got to paint 100 models for. Yeah. I, I know, like, I've definitely, like, I have, like, the hard rule now of I'm not committing to a new game that needs more than one box of core troops. Mm-hmm. If it needs, like, one, if it needs more than one box of core troops, I have to give, like, serious consideration to wanting to do it, and then I probably won't, unless it's a historical period that I've like already yeah. pre-committed I think, to. I think you're. I think this is definitely something coming out of lockdown. I've I've got more of a, a realistic appreciation of how long it takes me to complete a project. Absolutely. How much time it takes me to do a project, and before I'd be like, oh, I'll pick up that. I'll get it done in the future. And now I'm like, mm, I know how long it takes me to do. So I've really enjoyed um, Martin Seventh Son's been doing his crusade. Battle reports. I'm like, oh, that's really good. And it's Saladin and Crusading Knights and all this stuff. You know, I could, I'd like to play that. Would I have time to complete the armies and make them, you know, half as his size, as nice as his, and half the size of his? It's like, no, I have no idea when I'd get a chance to do that. So, in practicality, is that I would have that would have to be in like five years' time or something. <laughs> you know, and I think these. So at the moment, I'm very happy watching the battle reports um, and you should watch them, too. Um, so I guess I'm I've lost my train of thought. There. <laughs> Completely. Um, I guess what I'm saying is that I'm being a lot more thoughtful about the projects I'm going to complete and when and how long it's going to take me to complete them now. Yeah. And in the past, I would have just jumped on things randomly and... Um, Oh, that looks fun. Let's do that now. And yeah, now I know I'm not going to I'm not going to get those done. Things have to almost be booked in years in advance. Sorry, go on. Go ahead. I think it um, we all had a pretty similar experience in that we. uh, I think our project management sort of skills and also awareness of what we're able to do in in particular time frames as 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 sort of crystallized during the lockdown because you know time and you know uh, uh, what you do with you know the the time that you have uh was something we we're all very conscious of um i i am aware that for some people for no other kind of external reason um just found it very hard in the lockdown to do any kind of sort of art creative or hobbying kind of stuff um so it, it it's uh it, certainly for our in our experience it, it, it was i hope it, i think it helped us sort of crystallize and uh, get clear in our mind okay what are these kind of what what, what is involved in doing a project but for some people they just you know uh, uh hobbying was just very difficult for mm-hmm. them um and i think uh one thing i would say that is different to um something like bakery for example because you know there was that joke at the start of the first lockdown about sourdough bread and the idea of everyone was suddenly getting really good at sourdough bread um 
and there was a competitive element to it i think feeling that if you aren't doing something with this time that you have you know uh you should be feeling ashamed of yourself like why didn't you learn that language something you know, oh yeah I, I know what you mean yeah you know yeah. why haven't you written a book exactly you know? yeah, yeah yeah and I, I i think that was one of the benefits of hobbying during that period was and and doing it you know the hobby hangouts and that kind of thing was i didn't feel like that at all uh, mm -hmm. uh and i don't think that was our, the experience of folks in our circle that it was a competition or that you know if you didn't get done things that you'd like to get done that was some kind of you know a, 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 a you know black mark spoke badly yeah exactly yeah. A black mark or you know it, it spoke badly to you um i think that um yeah the uh in a positive way we were examining how long it takes us to do stuff and that long term has definitely improved our ability to get projects done and to you know make vaguely rational choices about hobby yeah i'm definitely less inclined to sort of oh on a whim yes i'm i'm, I'm sure i'm not alone here with the listeners and of you two of going onto websites putting things in baskets yeah hovering over the purchase button and going am i going to paint this i think in the last year i have stopped doing that previously it used to be how i would spend most of my if i was working at a computer at lunchtime it'd be how i'd spend my lunch hour it would be the like make an army list select the models work out how much it's going to cost me maybe screenshot the shopping basket before i delete it and then go away i've actually stopped doing that this last year because i've yeah. realized i'm just not buying trying to not buy models and i think yeah. i think definitely maybe for us and like in our like hobby ecosystem i think something that has definitely came out of lockdown but has had like an ongoing and evolving effect is the oval lists mm -hmm. of, of of project management and time management and sort of like coming to the realization that the primary thing that i'm most lacking is time mm -hmm. it's yeah. like yeah i'm not independent to well, being a grown-up yeah it's like i'm not independently wealthy but if i want to buy toys i can buy toys I haven't got time to paint them. And it's like, well, you see an amazing deal. You go, oh, that's a really brilliant deal. But I'm, there's no point in me buying because they're just going to sit on a shelf until I'm never going to do anything with them. I mean, I would argue that, you know, if you're spending 20 quid on some toy soldiers or 20 quid and a bottle of whiskey, and if you're drink, buying a 20 pound bottle, 20 bottle of whiskey and drinking it all, it's you're probably better off buying the miniatures than just downing 20 quid worth of whiskey. No, I'm spending uh, like six quid and going to go and watch like the stuff or the contamination. That's how I yeah. waste all my hobby <laughs> yeah. budget now. No, it's not wasted, surely. No, it's funny. Vested, vested in brain time. Yeah. I think there's I like, mean, we, we're not trend chasing either, I think, is, is is another thing about the way in which we're planning stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, we do a lot of thinking and talking about stuff before we decide. Ed, come on, we it. are at the cutting edge of 10 millimeter English Civil War currently. Well, Absolutely, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. You know, me and Ed are, are going to be leading that charge for seventies rule set reengagement. We 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 are, you know, the revisionist <laughs> the, the poster of, child. Yeah, you know, don't dismiss these bonkers rule sets that will make your brain hurt and need the mechanical calculator. But don't Give worry, they're not fun either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm working on our tick, improving our TikTok game. Guys. Yeah, so, so uh, that, that was a dance classes are for. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'm going to dance a size the 1970s rules systems. You know, you have done 
258 casualties to that unit. How does that transform <laughs> to a single miniature figure? You can't see Tom doing an incredible Pasadoble right now, but let me tell you, it's exquisite. Hey, the, the other week I, un, I, un, I unlocked the career achievement of using interpretive dance in a meeting as the exact perfect medium to get across my point. After many years of trying to find an excuse to use some interpretive dance to work, it finally worked. The joys of being a pretentious artist sometimes pans out and gives 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 gold. That is and good. we would like to send our best wishes and condolences to all the others that had to attend that meeting with Tom. <laughs> I got a compliment. I was wondering why you were in a neck brace, Tom, but I think that yeah. makes sense. Huh? One thing I was, I was also going to bring up is um, I was talking about, you know, um, do you chase the new hotness? Do you dump all your, your projects and go, right, I'm going to stop there and I'm going to instead buy new stuff? Because one thing I certainly did during lockdown was um, buy some models. In fact, I bought some from Warlords. Um, I don't know what happened to those in the end. Those, I know I got some I German, some other models. I can't remember that. I then immediately regretted, and I can't remember who bought those off me. Yes, um, I, I, I think I, I definitely didn't paint them all and currently have them sat behind me in a box. Just, as long as they found a home and they were loved, that's all that matters. There we go. But I certainly was reaching out and, and finding deals and helping to support companies because I didn't want to go away. My fear was, what well, these really great little miniature and games companies here in the UK, cottage industries, if you like, um, and I wanted them to stick around. When, I, when we came out, I wanted them to still be there. So I was, you know, I'm arguing to myself here that it was a good investment of my wages to spend it on supporting these companies by buying myself toys that i wanted um and i'm thinking like uh, now i'm at this point where i've got i've got these toys should i now be thinking and i can hear what the manufacturer saying yes andy you should be buying more toys from us but i do wonder has it affected their sales like were people buying more stuff during lockdown? And has that does that mean three years down the line, they've still got lots of it left? Are they now buying less? I know some of the manufacturers have said that has definitely happened. I know, uh, like I know, some have publicly said it, and some have privately said that, like the actual lockdown, like year or so, was great for them sales wise. Although it was very challenging, they're trying to get orders out, you know, all the castings and that sort mm -hmm. of in. But then, yeah, I think, especially like here in the UK, you can't take anything out of context. Everything's all interconnected. So we had the lockdowns and then we've had like, you know, the ongoing joy that is Brexit and then the cost of living crisis and everything. And I think like, I think quite a few of the manufacturers, the smaller ones are now, I think, struggling or lots of people are calling it time and retiring. Aren't yeah. they? I, think what's, I think that's yeah what's happening a lot. And that is seems to be. Like from what people are saying, it's like a combination of like the cost increases, the difficulty of sales and all this sort of stuff. So I think it's all sort of like interconnected. But yeah. I do think it probably is a lot of people go, oh, I'm at home. I'm going to order, you know, hundreds of toys. Am I going to paint them? Of course, I'm going to paint them because I'm at home for months and then they don't get painted and they've probably still got those backlogs or they just... You, you overestimate because I know my Napoleonic British that 
I bought in that same sale are still sat under my bed. I had sold them to someone. They dropped out of selling them. They're just in a box to go. I'll paint them at some point. I've got them. Like yeah. they, they, they don't even register on like my hobby radar. They just mm-hmm. sort of. Well, I've got mine at home, Alex. And sorry. I'm gonna. Sorry, Ed. Oh, and I haven't got rid of them because I just can't help but feel, you know, sometime in the next thirty years, I'm just gonna go. Ah, I'll do those. You know. I've got lots of projects. Like I've got lots of things that are like that, which I figure I feel I've bought them. At some point, I'm going to paint them. They aren't like a currently in vogue. They aren't like a currently on the radar project. They're not something I'm currently thinking about. But at some point, I can see myself getting around to them. I've already paid the money for the figures. They're there. They're not doing any harm. They're sort of in cold storage, mm-hmm. almost in effect. And like all I've I'm trying to make the effort to not add more things into that pile, but they are like, you know, I've already put the money into them. Most of it is stuff that I've picked up in sprue sales and like multiple deals. And I've got rid of the janky stuff. I've actually got all that painted. Um, So it's like, it is, they are like decent-ish models, which I'll I'll probably get around to at some point, which all links back to me that, that, you know, I've hopefully got another, you know, 30, 40 years of painting stuff. Mm-hmm. And a model's always going to be a model. You know, you, you, you know, we paint plenty of models that are 40 years old, so we buy a, a new sculpt now. You know, you've got some plastic glue, you can still glue it together in 15 years' time. It's, yeah. it's always going to be what is, and especially with historics, you know, like a Bowman is a Bowman. It's not going to be all of a sudden, well, you've got the 2012 Bowman who have got the shoes and they've now got Air Jordans on instead or something. So, <laughs> Well, you can use those in World War One as well, can't you? For uh, Angel of Mons, that's fine. I've, I've, I, I may have some tiny little six mil angels. Um, I want, I want somebody to do some six mil biblically correct angels, so I can, <laughs> and then you know, a whole Enochian panoply. First, first, put the a wheel within a wheel, spinning in the sky. It's all those tiny eyes. Yeah. How many pupils can you paint on one figure? Six more scale. Anyway, roller, yes, do anyway. not be afraid. Uh, roll. Yeah. Well, well, welcome to the first tangent of the night, gentlemen. We've probably been going for an hour. <laughs> an hour. I don't think that's the first. I have the power of the editor. We'll, we'll oh, of course, yeah, no, fair. <laughs> um, I think the, the the other weird thing about um, like the supply and the the economics of uh, uh, hobbying um, was weird stuff happening to cardboard. Um, and so many cardboard yeah. components in games becoming more difficult to to get hold of. And I, I think the supply chain stuff is still weird. There, there is still a global time. shortage of paper and cardboard, which yeah. makes like things ridiculously expensive. Yeah, um, for some things, yeah, it's still um, it's an absolute nightmare. Um, I mean, unfounded rumours here, but the rumours are that you know um, the new Epic. 30k was supposed to be a summer release but they couldn't get the cardboard so now that's why it's like been delayed a little bit when they're trying to sort out again unfounded rumors i don't know if yeah. that's true I, th- I think a lot gets laid at the door of shortages of cardboard but at the same time i have heard that it is a it has been a factor in, in, in some cases this is um and and this may be anecdotal but somebody did tell me that it also comes down to like lots of the labels and stuff that go on cardboard. 
because okay. apparently there was at the beginning of the lockdown there was like two companies that were making a specific kind of label right and a different company bought the entire global stock of this specific kind of labeling stuff and then like basically hoarded it for the last however many months mm-hmm. and have sort of like been measling it out t- part by part just like diamonds because apparently ordering like 50 million quid's worth of cardboard is a really good business strategy when you realize we've got the entire global supply of this label printing stuff i uh, like the fact that large businesses are working exactly the same way as all those people <laughs> who raided the local <laughs> supermarket for loo roll in the it, yeah. it, it was exactly the same thing of like well, <laughs> We, if we buy it, nobody else can buy it, and yeah, it's that was. When, what and was. maybe this is a tell for another. I can tell you guys anyway. Like literally, just before lockdown kicked in, I was coming home from the club, and I may have been merry as I was skipping home. Um, and the wife messaged me, telling us we needed some loo roll. And so I went into the supermarket and I started just checking the prices of the loo rolls, and I worked out if you buy. The huge economy giant sized pack. It was so much cheaper than just buying four at a time. And because that was all I was carrying home, I thought, well, I got the biggest, biggest <laughs> bundle of toilet roll I could physically carry from the supermarket, rode home on the bus. And then through the whole of lockdown, we just used that bundle I'd got. And, yeah. I, I, and, the, and my wife had to admit that I'd done a good thing. She's like, why do you do that stupid? It doesn't go off. Have an expiry date. We're going to use it. We're going to use it. So is it your fault? Only that was me again rolling a six. That's as usual. (laughs) Andy has accidentally prepared perfectly for lockdown by accidentally buying a huge amount of donut roll when it wasn't necessary, but now is. Do you think, though, that it's like th- through the lockdowns, I think it's made us more conscious of like the content hose of games and stuff so, because it seems to be that like, obviously like we do the hobby news, so we're sort of like a bit more mindful of like what games are coming out. But it seems to yeah. be that it seems to be even in like my section of like the hobby ecosphere, there's like loads of interest in a game that's coming out. It comes out and then immediately disappears, and it's then all the interest for the next game that's coming out. And there seems to be very little, if any, carryover enthusiasm for a game. I think the only game I can think of really that's come out in the last few years that seems to have like a a fair amount of carryover. Longevity. Yeah, it seems to be O Group, which is a very like a relatively niche game. And that seems to be more because people play in so many different scales. I've so heard a lot of people talking about it, but I've never seen anyone playing it. I don't know if, I don't know if it's, I think it's quite possible that lots of people use it as the basis for modelling projects, because you mm-hmm. need like quite a lot with it. And go, right, I'm going to make an, like a force for O group with these figures, while maybe necessarily not playing it. Well, because you, you can then play, obviously, you know, it's World War Two, so you can play whatever with it. Well, you've got the figures. I think it's hard to believe that you might come up with a modelling project idea and then struggle to find rule set to fit with the project. No, so, but I think... Well, it, we're all buying the rules and then obviously buying the armies to fit the rules, right? But I, I think if you're using a game that uses, like, a, a pretty simple ratio of, like, 
whatever it is you're using, depending on what scale it is, you know, it's like it can be like, you know, one to three, one to six, whatever. I think it, it makes your orders of battle relatively simple to sort of sort out. Whereas I think like the other games that we've mentioned earlier sort of like have come out, disappeared, and then gone. Well, I mean, able to talk about the Doomed, it came out and it was it was everywhere. The Doomed. Yeah. It's literally, we literally had this conversation when we were playing it. I said, it came out, it was brilliant. Everyone was like, oh, I'm going to do conversions. It's going to be fantastic. I was like, when did you see any like new media talking about Doomed? I think you, you, you do get those peaks and troughs. But at the same time, um, there'll be certain games that stick around. The thing that I was um, contemplating was the, you know, all those Osprey Blue Books. There are some of those that came out and kind of sunk without a trace after a couple of months. And there are some that like um, uh, dra- uh, uh, Lion Rampant and all the variations on there yeah. that keep going and have that longevity. Um, I think the the Doomed, certainly amongst us, has had that longevity, or at least yeah. I feel like it will do. I think um, you love it. And so yeah, well, but- I play you because you love it. I think it's... <laughs> so it that's just why we play it. it it's so well, yeah. difficult, though, to get like an, an idea... Because we can only know like what we see people playing or what we see, we hear other people playing. And you can go like, well, you go to another club and they play games that either we've never heard of or we thought were dead. And they're like, soup. like you know, you might go to one club and it's wall-to-wall Stargrave. Yep. Just, you just... Gaslands all the way here, lads. Yeah, you, you you never sort of know. So I think it's and because of like algorithms and all that joy, you never really sort of know. What's going on? But I, I definitely agree with your point, Ed. That like some of the Osprey games seem to come and go. But I think also sometimes they can sort of like games can come back. And you know, you know yeah. Storm of Steel, Alex, he's, you know, he's, he's championing like some of the older, largely like World War One games, which have you know mm-hmm. been out for donkey's years. Now they're actually like, quite hard to get hold of a copy of. Yeah. But you know, he's like revitalizing that old game because they're, they're good games. You know, I think like once a good rule sets out there, you, you can also sort of like pick it up again if you just want to play in your small group. Yeah, but I think it's, it's it's harder if you want to sort of like dip into that like wider gaming zeitgeist for it. But I'm not sure if that like wider zeitgeist really is as important or all existing anymore. Because I think because there's mm. so much just cool stuff coming out. And you have to ignore like so much of it because you can't go, I really like that, I really like that, I really like that. I can't afford any of it, so I'm going to kind of have to ignore it all. Because even if something as simple as Cowboys, like with the Cowboy News, like, I don't I was just about to say, there's been so much Cowboy stuff come out. Yeah. Even if I was just playing Cowboys, there's so many Cowboy games. you You could easily spend hundreds of pounds a month on just new cowboy miniatures, regardless of scale. And you would be a very happy man. Or woman. <laughs> In fact, let's just do that, guys. Let's just, let's, let's all just click cowboys from now on. <laughs> Maybe never play that many games with them. Just buy them and paint them for no good reason. Certainly makes me happy. But um, it, it, is, it is like a wider cultural thing, because I, I know sort of like from conversations like film and book people, and that sort of stuff, you know, things time in the spotlight is now so much shorter you know you can be like really popular and trending hugely for a couple of weeks and then just disappear completely you know, what was that oh yeah forgot that was you know you that was a barbie the movie that was yeah, everywhere and then it's kind of 
added 80 million quid to the UK economy, apparently. Okay. Yes, I, I, I saw that headline, yeah. Because every so often there'll be something that, that does sort of stick. And I think, weirdly, Barbie was a cultural phenomenon in a way that things don't. We're now on to yeah. Barbie talk, uh, folks at home. But I think um, it's, it's, it's become toys. big toys, isn't it? Thanks. Because we, we, we haven't 100%. had, like, we haven't had, I don't think, that, like, gaming phenomena game for quite a while. Yeah, like, yeah. Even, like... Yeah, I think like for us, obviously, like the new version of 40k came out and it's massive and does seem to have like re-engaged 40k players, but it's 40k. I don't think it's, it's made that much difference. You know, it's not no. been like whoa. Well, it's like 40k is like, I, you know, all I can go on is the number of people playing it in in the gaming club, which is which like, seems to have like been, it was gone from none to quite a few, hasn't yeah. it? But I guess it's pushing it at an open door. I, I think Frostgrave was something that came out of nowhere and then suddenly loads and loads of folks played it. And I feel anecdotally it had an... That wasn't just our club. I, I, I think you do hear it's people everywhere, talking about Frostgrave. Yeah, that, I, was, I, that was one of the busiest nights we've ever had at the club. I had to play Frostgrave in the corner of the corridor. We played Floorgrave because I could <laughs> not get a table with James. So we set up a bit of terrain in the corner in the corridor. And I think it, it had a transformative effect on like the wider games industry. As like, yeah. I don't think if it if hadn't it been for Frostgrave, I don't think things that maybe like Necromunda and that would have been redone, and like the really? other, the other all the skirmish games that we now have, which yeah. I think all came out of Frostgrave. Well, I, as I, as I said, I said to Ronnie, I said I think smaller is going to be the future because you're going to go. Going to be skirmish games and it's going to be smaller scale models and i think that's kind of showing up um i hear people say and i'd be mr doom and gloom but you know i hear people say oh we're in a golden age there's so much stuff coming out now for games all these models coming out you know it's so fantastic isn't it great i i kind of hear so it's almost like someone saying look at the price of my tulips they go through the roof this is brilliant <laughs> always going to be this way i'm going to be rich from these tulips uh, that's a reference to tulip mania for the non. Um, um, my NFTs are going for the roof. I, I I imagine, Andy, the vast majority of our listenership probably know tulip mania. Anyway, do you get my point? Is that I just, we just seem so fractured. There's so much stuff coming out. I'm just like, please, yeah. just give me a few games that are sticking. And I guess that is, is Hail Caesar, isn't it? Hail Caesar, Pike and Shot. Black Powder, they seem to be the historical games that people are. I see people playing. Well, it's, it's, it's our standard joke, isn't it? That is true of like how many Napoleonic rule sets are there. And yeah. do any of like, do any of them have any, like a, the, the player base that they all have is, you know, very small, apart from a couple of them, which are like relatively larger, but they're all sort of like still like micro ecosystems and yeah it does i think historicals especially is so fractured and Mm -hmm. there is just but that is because what is that historical war you i think you get four historical war gamers in a room and say what rule set shall we play for this system you're probably going to get five answers yeah certainly for our our english civil war it seems to be that we're choosing what rule set we're going to play we we end up choosing the least worst uh, is anyone happy? Well, not really. But we're going to pick the one that we all agree on as the least worst. I mean, for skirmish level, we know what is the best and 
that's um, in our estimation um, Pikeman's lament. Uh, and I'm always going to say that one from the seventies as the <laughs> physical calculator. <laughs> What's that one? And of course, Peter Berry's rules as well, which we haven't played yet, but we are playing to. Well, I'm I'll say I will say to you that Pikeman's lament is not skirmish; it's small, large battle. Well, yes, yes, but 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 okay. For, well, for small large battles, we know what we're playing, but for large large battles, we are playing pike a uh, uh, pike and shot. Yes, and that is because it's a path of least resistance. It's why we were playing black powder when we played that big twenty eight yeah. mil Napoleonics game, uh, and uh, Tom and Andy weren't able to make it. Um, and but the folks I was playing, the, you know, we were all sat around going. I mean, it sort of does the job, but we much prefer to play one of these out there, slightly more interesting, historically accurate, perhaps uh, 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 challenging rule systems. But it's just, it's the legwork to actually. I mean, well, that's part of the challenge. It's designed. Think, that's what Black Powder is designed for: well, is large yeah. games of Napoleonics amongst friends, easy to follow, and you can get a, a game done in an evening, not a set so, aside a month. Yeah. I think it's I think it's also of how many people you're playing. Because I think like a good example yeah. of like a game that I quite like if I'm in the right set of mind is Absolute Emperor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's a game where you have to put effort in and be mindful of if I fudge, if I'm like a bit ham-fisted and move this unit half a centimeter too much or like I fudge the angle I'm moving it at, I am blatantly cheating. So mm-hmm. it's like, and it makes such a difference. And so, you know, that centimetre extra movement is can be pivotal to what you're doing. And like most of the time, I'm not in the mood to be that hyper-focused on what I'm moving. It's like, well, yeah. somewhere around there will be yeah. fine. And I think, yeah, some of those more complicated rule sets are great if you're playing with one other person who either mm-hmm. knows the rule set and they can like hold your hand through it yeah. Or you're having like a two-way conversation just between the two of you. I think once you've got like six people at a table and you're like, well, what do we do now? And you've got like one copy of the rule sets. Because like the other joy about the those like, we'll put in air quotes, like better rule sets, it's like 50, 80 quid. So it's not like everyone's going to have a copy of the rule book. Whereas like yeah. something like Black Powder, we've all got a copy of the rule book because, you know, a tenor yeah. or whatever. Um, but also... I think, again, this is coming at what's happened in the last few years, is that because we don't really go to events anymore yeah. and we play against ourselves all the time, we yeah. play our own version of the game, Some, especially something like Pikeman's Lament, which we pro- is probably the game we've played the most of in the last 18 months. Yes. Like, the main thing is we play at, like, three times the point value it's supposed to be played at. That's the Absolutely. first thing that we, like, yeah. chuck in the bin. And then we've got like a whole list of like slight amendments, house rules or how we interpret the the rules, which is pretty much made it a different game than how it is actually in the core rule book. It's our version of the game and it's how it works for what we want to do with it. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I think I'm more and more confident and happy with the idea of I'm playing this game, but I think this bit is rubbish or this bit just either doesn't make sense or it's ahistorical or it's just a bit... I can see why they're doing it for a point of game. I think like a good example is like in the Black Powder system, how like units can just teleport through other units and they just move wherever they want to. I think it's completely 
bonkers. You, you, you shouldn't just mm-hmm. be able to, yeah. You're on here, you've got like a 36 inch move, so you can just like teleport through all those units who are like in the road in front of you, and they're like, it just, they just dissipate out the way, you know, enter a wormhole or something. It's just a bit silly where you go, actually, you can't do that, or you can do, but this is going to happen to that other unit or whatever. You just make those adjustments, and I think as long as we, as we do, we apply them consistently. Mm-hmm. It just makes the games, I think, for what we want to do, more fun, which is yeah. like they, the, the, the like recreations are more like we know how the battles pan out. We are trying to not run like a direct simulation. We are trying to like still have fun and like you know maybe end up with like a a historical solution, but we do know how like either like the forces worked or that sort of stuff you know we know like well a cannon on that hill in theory would be able to do x y or z in the rules they can't we're going to say that they can do we're going to give them maybe make them a bit more effective or less effective for what they do because it seems doesn't quite make sense what we're doing and i think that probably like alienates us from being able to do more things with random people because like if we rocked up and played just pikeman's like if we went to a pikeman's event weekend uh, yeah we'd be like what on earth are you playing it's like, it's... <laughs> i think it's a myth of perfection <laughs> well, absolutely this is how we play it i think it's a myth of perfectibility of, of of um the the optimal rule system that gives you the optimal historical experience that that just doesn't happen in reality and I think that's potentially why you get so many of these books coming out and such a kind of dis- why there's a market for them to a certain extent is because people are buying them and putting them on the shelf. And I think that's part of the churn potentially is, OK, people are buying this, but are they actually being played? And I think that's uh, what I guess we're a little wiser to now because we've been around the block yeah. a bit when we play war games. Well- uh, something that we used to mention, uh, and it was one of Andy's opening jokes in the early episodes of the podcast, was you don't have to paint rule sets. Yeah, pair of rule sets, put on the shelf there, it is done. Put them on the shelf, but then you're in that shelf space. Yeah, which is what I'm I mean, finding I was... now, is like, I've got too many rules. And I'm like, yeah, and like, yeah. I, I, I've definitely been in the point of like, you know, you've heard someone say, oh, like, this is a rule set, they're like, the shooting rules are rubbish, but like, the movement rules are really good. Or it's like, these have got a like, really good, like, artillery bombardment rules but like the rest of it's like an incoherent mess and you sort of you read this and you go oh yeah i can see why this is a really incoherent mess oh but that bit's quite good and in theory you can then start like cherry picking these bits of things but i just don't have the time or necessarily like the inclination to go up yeah i really like how this game does movement i really like how this game does commander positioning I'm going to combine them all into like, yeah, what is my perfect game? But it doesn't work. And I know like within ourselves and like when we do the hobby hangouts and stuff, it's a lot, the like dividing line between fun simulation, game, you know, friction, all that. It's such a personal thing that links into the hobby so much. Like what we want, what we all want from games is all very different, even though we all like, the similar games. I think maybe like a good example is probably something like Chain of Command, which is a game I really mm-hmm. like because it's quite infuriating. Like so quite often you can't actually do what you want to do at all because of how the dice do. Well, you find that doesn't really do your jam, does it, Andy? That no, I, that's exactly why I hate it. 
Hold on, Smithers, don't fire the machine gun. We could we can't bring the tank on if you fire the machine gun. Well, that sounds realistic. Um, each to their own. That's what I say. It's not for me. I like bot action because it's a better game. And um, <laughs> uh, I'm going for version three. No, people love Chain of Command. That's fine. That they can enjoy it. Yeah, it's always it, course, is it? And it, it's it's something that I don't think we can like say enough. Like, you know, this is a hobby. That's a personal thing that what brings joy to the individual. And it's like, yeah, we all painted loads during lockdown. If somebody else painted one space marine, but that brought them joy, it's it's not there is no right or wrong way for whatever we've done. Yet. If people painted one army and they painted with they played with it five hundred times, again, it's it's what works yeah. for the individual, isn't it? I, I think like hopefully this episode sort of gives listeners some sort of peek behind the curtain kind of thing of going like really really we don't have a clue what we're doing we're sort of like <laughs> i think we, it's just meander it's a weird meandering episode where we're going like well, what were the effects of lockdown i don't really know but i i, I think it did change us tom i think it, I think it, it absolutely changed me from being constantly chasing to like trying to be a bit more consolidated about what i'm actually doing because i'm going to plan games i'm going to get things com- projects completed for things and i'm much more realistic about how much painting and modeling up and games i'm going to get in well, yeah, like that obliteration of the concept of there is a finite amount of projects like there is an end point to where i'm going to finish hobbying mm. the, the the obliteration of that idea and going no i am constantly going to be a lifelong hobbyist i'm always going to be building i'm always going to be painting had to force a complete mind check because previously I just thought, oh, give me a big enough spreadsheet. Eventually I'll have it all ticked in. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'll take up gardening again or something like that. It just. <laughs> I I feel like it's time for the, the quote from my wife when she, I was busy painting the English Civil War during the first lockdown, and she said to me, "So, um, you know, when are you going to be finished?" When are you going to be finished painting models? And I'm like, I'm going to have to say this now because <laughs> I love you. Never, I'm never going to be finished painting models. I'm always going to be painting new models. There's not going to be a point when I, I stop. And I was like, best, better, best let her know now. <laughs> <laughs> have you still not finished yet? Have you still not finished? I think no. that that requires a level of sort of self-honesty though, doesn't it? That yeah. goes, I'm not going to kid myself. Yeah. And, it's, and also, going, like, I'm not going to kid myself. I'm going to get all these. I'm not going to paint any. I'm not going to buy any new models. So I've got all my old models painted and all that sort of stuff. I know, like, some weirdos on this call have managed to, like, you know, clear complete backlogs multiple times. What kind of freak would do that? <laughs> Weird Tower Hamlet dwellers. Yeah, I think the you, you, you both summarise, I think, it pretty well, is that we, as a group, got our head around a bunch of stuff in terms of how we do hobbying. At the same time, I've no idea what the long-term impact was on the industry. It does, it, you know, there does seem to be a, a faster churn in terms of stuff. Uh, and I think, with a couple of exceptions, that's more or less passed us by. Um, whether that's a long-term thing, I don't know. But um, I know what we want to do, 
uh, and it seems to work so far pretty well for us. So, you know, that's that ultimately when it comes to hobbying, that's that's as much as you can hope for. Yeah, I, I think it's actually been quite freeing to, 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 to just go, oh, actually, I don't care what they're releasing. Yes. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to try and keep up with it all. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the myth of trying to keep up. I mean, still buying stuff, still feel like I'm supporting uh, businesses. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I don't feel like an anxiety of, oh, I'm, well, mostly don't feel anxiety that oh, I could be doing something different. I could be doing something better. Um, but well, I know, I know. I'm going to go to Pendragon stand, and I'm going to buy um, a new model army, a new model army with a new model army. That's Luke. Yeah, I and do my, not my... need any more 10 millimeter English Civil War. Mm. But do you know what? I'll enjoy painting Robert Devereux. Actually, it wouldn't be a new model army at that point. That, that's later on. That's the third one. Yeah, he's on guard. Uh, Robert Devereux is just parliamentarian. <laughs> Paint up a whole bunch of a bunch of whole you can paint up a whole bunch of dudes and then you can paint them up again after in, in, in civilian garb when they've done the self nine audiences. When they are all literally on gardening duty. <laughs> <laughs> Little gardens. Brilliant. Uh yeah. So I guess well, that's that's where I am. I'm I'm gonna paint what I like. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you're just going to have to listen to us talking about the games we enjoy playing and painting the things we like. And um, you might enjoy listening to that too. I would say I do want to try and crack that nut of doing other big Napoleonics games with rule systems that aren't Black Powder. That's my kind of longer term goal. Whether it'll ever happen or not, I have no idea. I'm, but, I'm, um, gonna, I'm going to book the Sim of Ed now. I'm going to get him to say yes to this. But I do on. want to play for King and Parliament with you. Yeah, uh, yes, definitely. So let's let's. You've got the rule set, I know, because I sold it to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's let's let's. Tr- it's going to be next year now, isn't it? Let's be honest uh, realistically, yes. Yeah, a well, whole I think I'm taken up with Christmas. Over the Christmas period, Ed is booked in to come round to my house where we play the hex and chit English oh, yeah. war game of the the three thousand chit game. So. Yeah. I give myself a nosebleed by doing a really, really complicated game every so often. Yeah, well, um, this, you know, if, if Andy's, you know, here oh. you are chatting about numbers about your, your 62 units for your last, the more game, oh, oh just got 3,000 chits for this. Well, just, uh, obviously, you two have to start your own podcast all about this game, and it's going to be called Chit Chat. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I get my coat again. <laughs> Now, I, I decided when I, I, I made the choice earlier this year that I wasn't going to learn how to play Advanced Squad Leader because I thought I don't have time to play it. I don't have time to learn to play it. I don't, nor do I know anybody who would be a willing enough victim to, you know, subject to playing Advanced Squad Leader. You know, when, I think when you're looking through a game and you, you're looking through like it has multiple starter sets for the rules. But you then go, this is the like ring binder expansion, which isn't actually an expansion. It's just literally the folders. It's literally bits of card that you put into a big ring binder to split the rules into 16 subsections. So you know Mm. what you're doing. And you're Mm. going, yes. That's not my problem. My problem is that it doesn't have fancy hats. It's it's post-1900, you know. Well, we need to find some bonkers Avalon Hill English Civil War game that's not made by GMT or something. We'll have to, 
Let us know, listeners. Although we have got to do your the game. But the Italians had some pretty fancy hats, didn't they? They had some feathers in their hats. And... That's true. They're still quite drab, though, you know. Yes. It's, it's, but yeah, it's, if, if it's, listeners can tell us the most complicated English Civil War or even better, War of the Spanish Succession uh, or Austrian Succession, rather. Um, yeah. Most up, complicated. Up to, Franco, up to like Franco Prussian War, we'll go for maybe. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I, I will deign to go to the Franco Prussian War. If you can find the most complicated version of that, I'm all in. Yeah, you, we will do a we will do a play by play live battle report of two people who can only roll ones and twos, probably yes. losing the will to live in real time. As yep. you know, this is what we do for your listeners. Now, this is people who read Donald Featherstone rule books for free, for fun and yep. go. Without the updated editions, which have the paragraph at the, the chapter at the end where someone explains how they once played a game, based <laughs> they actually give you the rules. <laughs> you mean? No, you don't get rules. You just get you just get a conversation of well, we played a game. This is what we kind of did, but in a very roundabout way. You don't get actual rules. Kind of a rule book gives you rules, Andy. It gives you concepts that you apply to your games. This is the thing. Oh. I, I'm, I'm thinking that the optimal game is one with loads of complicated rules. The optimum game of that period is the one with no rules it's one way you have to have been to military staff college it's, yes <laughs> it's, it's, it's like those it's like those 70s board games which gives you like no lexicon of anything for all the symbols for anything so unless you are currently really up to vogue on like nato unit ids of like 1973 you have got no clue what anything is yeah but anyway this is another good tangent I, I feel these are all bad life choices. Um, we should maybe just stick to black powder. But I'm willing to run the gauntlets of... Uh, of, of you, you say bad, I say a path towards enlightenment and self-fulfillment. Indeed. And, and a sense of hobby superiority. Well, go, that's, oh. what, that is, that's what it's all about. <laughs> you're like you're rolling a where... four. I, let me consult the mechanical calculator. I like a unit where... I like a unit where... Well, they've mostly got the right colour coat. It's absolutely fine. It's actually better. But how do you know if you've killed 258 or 114 of them? How, how, will, you, how will you know? Anyway. Thank you very much, chaps, for joining me tonight. Thank you very much, listeners. Hope you've, in, hope you've enjoyed this. Whatever this was. <laughs> I, I want to make, and I'm sure um, Tom and Ed uh, join me in specifically thanking um all our patreon backers and if you'd like to be a patreon backer that would be brilliant it helps keep us turning out whatever this mess is and of course if you like this mess there's more of this kind of mess uh on the facebook group i would just say also listeners if you the next hobby hangout which will be on september december the 3rd will be recorded straight after ed and i have watched a five and a half hour silent napoleon movie from 1927 so if you want to see at least me probably existing in a slightly different plane of existence while chatting about toy soldiers check out the facebook group and i put the zoom link on there for us it's always great we always have a good chat on a sunday evening so hopefully see some of you then good night everyone and speak to you all soon thanks take care everyone roll some sixes cheers Bye.